the Raptors lose again, and this time to the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, that's right, the Sacramento Kings. And as disappointing as it sounds, it's honestly Toronto's fault. They let them score 68 points in the first half, and Toronto really didn't play any defense in this game until maybe the end of the game, you know, five, six minutes left in the fourth quarter. They started cutting into that lead. But in the end of the day, the Kings scored 126 points against Toronto, and they showed no defensive intensity or desire to win this game for the first 36 minutes, and especially in the first half. Their offense looked good, right? But we know that the Kings don't play a lot of defense, and the Raptors can literally go into the paint anytime they want. It doesn't matter if it's Marvin Bagley or Rashawn Holmes. They're not going to block your shot. And the Raptors made it a priority this game to attack the paint and attack Holmes, attack Bagley, and go into the paint. And it worked pretty well. And they only shot 13 threes in the first half, hit six of them, which for the Raptors is very low. 13 threes. They usually shoot 50 a game or 40 a game. So only shooting 13 is on pace for 26 in the game. But... Toronto in that first half, you know, didn't play a lot of defense, like I said. Siakam was blown out. He had 17, finished with over 30. Terrence Davis had 10. But on defense, that's where they really struggled. And specifically talking about the first half, the Kings shot 54% in the first half and 45% from three. Barnes was getting buckets as a secondary scorer, and the Raptors couldn't really stop him. And Hassan Whiteside had 12 points on 4-4 shooting, was really dominant in the paint, and Boucher had a lot of trouble holding him down. He's obviously a big, strong, physical guy, so against Boucher, that's not an ideal matchup, but another big issue was the Raptors' transition game, right? They only got seven points on nine turnovers in the first half, and they have to look to get stops on the perimeter, especially against a young team with Darren Fox with the ball in his hands, Tyrese Halliburton. Despite them being good ball handlers, it's good to try and put pressure on them, especially on the wing, and this is where you miss a guy like OG Ananobi, who can get a lot of steals out there on the perimeter, which leads to transition dunks, and, yeah, at the end of the day, the third quarter was the same story as the, the second quarter and the first quarter. You know, they still played with a lack of defensive intensity. They were letting the Kings get whatever they really wanted in this game. And contrarily, Toronto was scoring at basically a similar rate, but they just were unable to capitalize off defensive opportunities. And one thing we know about the Raptors is that they need to get out in transition and get points in the fast break. And they only got 15 points. Sorry, uh, they only got 12 points on the fast break, all of which were off turnovers. But they did score 56 points in the paint, which was clearly their goal going into this game. But unfortunately, it wasn't enough. Toronto's three-point shooting was good. They shot 13 of 32 on the night, shot a lot of threes. Down the stretch of this game, hit seven of them in the second half. And you can't really blame the refs on this one. I know there was that controversial play at the end of the game where... And this play really did piss me off too. You know, Lowry gets called for a tee. It didn't seem like he was doing much. And it didn't take very much for her to call that tee on Kyle Lowry and just get him kicked out of this game. Um, but at the end of the day, the Raptors were down three. De'Aaron Fox had a free throw. I really thought this game was over. I thought he was going to hit it. Toronto didn't have any timeouts left. If he does miss it, the Raptors get in transition, get probably a crazy look at a three-pointer to maybe tie it. That potentially sends it to overtime. But in my mind, this game was over as soon as the Raptors couldn't quite cut into that lead down the stretch. Um, but for Toronto, this was a disappointing loss because you lose to Milwaukee, that's fine. 
it is what it is. But then you come back and you lose to a Sacramento Kings team that has no right being your team. I know it sounds bad, but you know, you can win any game or lose any game, but Toronto was poised to win this game. They're the veteran team. They're desperate for a win and they couldn't get it. This is just another bad sign for the Toronto Raptors that this season is getting closer and closer to a wash. And I know it's only 7-12 and 12 and still super early, only a quarter way through the season. So things could really change in the last three quarters of the season. The Raptors could go on like a 10-game winning streak potentially, and then boom, you're at 17-12 and 12 and you're back on track. But I don't see that happening with this team. You know, maybe they, if they can get everyone healthy, if they can get Norman Powell back, if they can get OG and Obi back in the lineup playing, then you can start stringing together some wins. You've got Orlando next, which is a game you should win. And I don't think they have a, a super tough schedule coming up. They obviously had a, a tougher start to the season. So I think that if they get a few easier teams, get a few wins in there, start getting everything flowing, getting the blood flowing, you know. Pascal Siakam had a huge game. So this is a big positive sign moving forward, dropping 32 points, 11 of 20 shooting. And the thing that surprised me is he only took one three in this game. He didn't hit it. But he was attacking the paint. He was doing what Nick Nurse wanted him to do, which is attack that damn paint. It doesn't matter who's guarding you. You're going to get in the paint. When they put Bagley on you, like they're putting the big bag man on you, he's slow. Siakam just drove by him every time and would lead to open buckets after open buckets. And he had a great game. He really did. A guy like Aaron Baines had 10 rebounds. That's got to be a career high with the Raptors. That's something we don't see from him a lot. Kyle Lowry played good only in the fourth quarter, though. He didn't really look engaged throughout the game um he had 17 points to finish the game on two bay shooting was seven of 17 from three had six assists and three rebounds and he hit 10,000 points as a career raptor which is a big marker for him i don't think he ends up catching demar Derozan at 13,000 but he could do it like if he continues to play it's like about three more seasons including this season so about two more seasons after the 2021 season where he has to basically put up like 16 points per game so could he do that for another two years going into 36 going on 37 that's a tough a big ask for Kyle Lowry we'll see what he can do there Van Vliet also had a good game 26 points on 7 of 16 shooting really lived at the free throw line in this one shot 9 of 10 from the free throw and, and Siakam too he had 10 free throws that he hit out of 14 that he took and Terrence Davis off started the game had 12 points didn't contribute much in the second half but Nick Nurse didn't really play him uh, he had a, a pretty solid game. A guy like Chris Boucher, though, has come back to earth a little bit for the Toronto Raptors. He only, in 14 minutes, scored, shot 2 of 5 from the field, had 4 points, had no steals, no blocks, 3 boards. So he ended up having just a solid game. And a guy like Bembry off the bench, who I knew had some potential for the Raptors to be a solid wing out there. And with no OG and Obi, obviously got his number called. And he, he really put out. He was a plus 10 on this game. He scored 7 points on only 5 shots. And Utah Watanabe as well, despite being considered um, a guy that on defense wouldn't contribute very much, he's actually been a very good defender. He works hard on that end. He's the only guy out there that seems like he's breaking a sweat for Toronto, especially in this game. Um, and he provides a lot of energy, which is very, very valuable for Toronto, considering that they come out of the game, in this game specifically, slow. They come out of the game really poorly and you know they're just not really looking like the Raptors that we know and seen in years past the guy like Watanabe comes out he scores 12 points he's a plus 10 he had six boards he shot two of three from three four or five from the field he hit two free throws he grabbed two offensive rebounds 
and he had two assists and two steals. He was giving it on both ends, and the same thing with Stanley Johnson, too. Despite only playing 19 minutes, he still had three steals in this game and only three points, but he's a defensive anchor for Toronto off the bench. Him and Watanabe, surprisingly, Watanabe specifically has been pretty good. And Matt Thomas got a little bit of rope, which was nice. He had 11 minutes, shot one of two from three, hit a couple free throws, didn't really do anything else. Uh, he had a, maybe a turnover, a couple fouls, but, you know, he had five points. He, he had kind of just a pretty quiet game, but 11 minutes is not a lot to work with for a guy like that. I want to see Nick Nurse go to him a little more often and maybe give Paul Watson some reps as well, potentially even Malachi Flynn. These are guys that, you know, should get more reps, especially when Toronto continues to lose games. There's no risk for Nick Nurse to go a little deeper in the bench and look at these guys and say, you know, we need you to produce a little bit for us. We need to work the bench and figure out the rotation for this team. And that's now where I'm going to transition into a little bit. I'm going to talk about what I think Toronto's rotation should be. And in my mind, it's a 10-man rotation because of how deep this team is. Try and give a guy like Kyle Lowry some rest. Obviously, at 34, he needs a little bit of rest. But my my top five is going to be Lowry Van Vliet, obviously starting for them with OG Ananobi, Siakam, and Chris Boucher starting. I would love for him to start um, against teams that play small ball. If it's a team with a traditional big, then I'm okay with Baines in there just to be a big body presence. Um, but basically him and Boucher are interchangeable at that five position, and then I'll call them my six-man too just to cheat there a little bit. So those are the six guys that have to be in the rotation, despite how much you probably hate the way Baines has played uh, early in the season. He's still a contributor. He can shoot the three potentially, grab some rebounds. We actually are really dependent on him right now considering our current roster construction. So until the Raptors make a move or even trade him once you can trade him, which is three months after you sign him, which is the end of February. Once they have the opportunity to trade him, maybe they'll make a move, but for the next month or so, you're going to have to live with him being in the rotation. Another couple guys that I like are Stanley Johnson. He gives on the defensive end, Utah Watanabe as well. These are a couple of guys that can kind of fill out that wing position for the Toronto Raptors. I want to see Terrence Davis at the guard position, so that puts me at 9. Uh, and then i got to add a 10th guy. But for me, Malachi Flint doesn't end up fitting into my 10-man rotation, at least for now. And I know I just said Paul Watson him should be, but, you know, that's when you are playing bad. But I want to see Nick Nurse develop a 10-man rotation and then give these guys spark minutes here and there. And just go deep on the bench sometimes because Kyle Lowry doesn't need to play 37 minutes to win games like we don't need that necessarily maybe we won't win either way but I don't think you need him to play all those minutes even though I like Bembry I'm gonna end up going with obviously Norman Powell to fill out my roster <laughs> I thought you guys thought I forgot about him um, but you know you look at Matt Thomas you look at Malachi Flynn all those guys and Norman Powell's got to be that six man that comes off and sparks it you might even be able to slide him into the three and then maybe move you can play small ball to start where you slide him in at the three you play OG and Siakam as the forward and center, and then off the bench you'd have like Chris Boucher and maybe Aaron Baines could be slotted out for those kinds of games. But that's really up to the discretion of the team you're playing against, right? Because you're not going to always roll the same lineup or rotation every single game. You're going to switch it up depending on who you play. But in my mind, these are the guys that are competent players who are able to contribute on a consistent basis and should be given rope and opportunity by Nick Nurse. Um, anyway, that's it for this episode. Thank you guys for listening. I'm going to come back to you with another one. Maybe after the Orlando game, I'll probably end up packaging a couple games together and throwing out one whole podcast for you guys. But thank you for listening, and I'll catch you on the next one. What is up, guys? Today, the Toronto Raptors lost to the Milwaukee Bucks, falling 115-108. 
The Bucks move to 11 and 6 and Toronto falls to 7 and 11, pushing them a little bit further out of the standings to make the play-in tournament and specifically the playoffs are now sitting at the 11 seed at 7 and 11 and the Knicks are 8 and 11. So only a half game back out from the playoffs still, but first reaction from this game is um, Toronto really missed OG and OB defensively, even though Toronto locked it down in that second half after giving up 63 points in the first half. They unfortunately weren't able to close it out. And it was tough when you're trying to guard Middleton and Giannis, two forwards, essentially. And you don't have OG Anobi, who's your best wing defender. You'd probably primarily have him on Giannis, but also switch him and Stanley Johnson between him, um, between Middleton and Giannis in this game. But Middleton ended up dropping 24 on 8 of 17 shooting. Giannis almost had a triple-double with 24 points, 18 boards. And we can talk about the Raptors' boarding struggle. We know that they're not good in terms of rebounding. They struggled in this game. They allowed for 10 offensive rebounds in the first half. Really wasn't their best outing on that end of the floor, leading to open threes. And, you know, that's what really killed them. Anytime they'd have momentum, they'd give up an offensive board, lead to easy buckets. And on the other side, Toronto barely got any offensive boards in this game. Until maybe the end of the game where we got a couple offensive rebounds and led to Van Vliet threes that just unfortunately weren't falling today. Van Vliet shot 3 of 17 from the field, had 10 points, 10 assists though, 5 rebounds, but ultimately struggled offensively. He had 0 points going into the half, and I feel like the Bucks made that a priority, was locking him up. Siakam obviously is coming off an injury. Lowry is also coming off a toe infection, so... You know, if you can limit Van Vliet's effectiveness on the ball, which is what they did with Drew Holiday obviously being a big factor there, I think that really was part of their game plan, and it seemed to work really well. Toronto was also a bit sloppy with the ball. They had a lot of turnovers in this game. And I thought they were going to close the gap, but they couldn't bring it to within one possession. Unfortunately, any time they got an open look, they would just clank a three. Stanley Johnson played really well this game. He didn't score all that much. He had six points, two of four shooting from three. But his impact was on the defensive end, guarding Giannis. And one of the big things that he did was got a big steal on him, caused him to foul, and then hit a big three on the other end to keep this game close. And I think this is just proof that Stanley's uh, a legit piece for Toronto this year. He's in their top seven rotation. He's earned those minutes. He's clearly humbled himself over the years from being a top 10 pick, I believe, in the draft a few years back, to now having to fight, scratch, and claw his way into the league. As for Toronto, not enough aggression into the paint. And this has been an issue with them all season, is just the lack of variance in their offense. They shoot 53s, they make 40% of them, maybe less, and they don't have a counter. If the three's not falling, their offense isn't good. They can't get into the paint. The Raptors were only scored 26 points in the paint and were minus 14 on the game compared to the Bucks' 40 points. The Raptors had zero fast break points as well. When they would get in transition, they couldn't convert. And part of that credit goes to Milwaukee's defense. They were really making sure to shut down the ball handler and try and limit plays on the ball. And they really did a good job of that. And Toronto ended up having to settle in the half court. And as we know, Toronto's best when they get out in transition, get fast-paced buckets. 
and can convert their defense into offense. I just think that this was a good outing for Toronto in some respects. You know, defensively they looked good at times, but they just didn't show that consistency. Another big thing is the free throws, which is sort of a function of aggressive play. They had 10 of 12, so they had 12 free throws to Milwaukee's 26. And another big thing is the rebounding. Toronto could not generate any offensive rebounds. Um, Out of a 55 potential offensive rebounds, they were only able to get 10. And Toronto's 50 potential offensive rebounds, the Bucs got 14, 10 of which were in the first half. So for Toronto, they really struggled. Like I said, getting into the paint, getting offensive rebounds. And when you watch the game, you see that this is struggles they've had all year. You know, they don't play big. Their biggest player is Baines, and he plays, you know, under to maybe around 20 minutes a game. At most, you're really relying on this small ball lineup with Siakam at the 5 or OG at the 5 if you had him or Boucher at the 5. But today, Boucher got played off the court a little bit. On the defensive end, he couldn't hang with Giannis or Brooke Lopez down in that 4-5 sweet spot. So Nick Nurse had to move to Watanabe for a little bit, get some run with him. Stanley Johnson down the stretch was giving him some minutes when they went small to finish this game off. And Powell was the guy who balled out today. 26 points, he had five threes, eight of 13 shooting, had an all-around good performance, played 41 minutes, but Nick Nurse was trusting him, giving him rope today. As for Kyle Lowry, he hit a huge benchmark today, hit to over 10,000 points as a Raptor, putting in with only Chris Bosh and obviously DeMar DeRozan as the players who've hit that benchmark in their Raptors career. So that's a huge thing for him to hit. Drozen got over 13,000, so I did the math, and it looks like if Lowry wants to beat him, he's going to have to average somewhere in the 16-point-per-game range for another three seasons. So whether or not that happens, who knows, right? He's um, set to be an unrestricted free agent this offseason. So we'll see whether he wants to stay with Toronto and at 34. That might be a lot to ask of him. But all in all, he had a good game. He had 6 of 8 from 3, 7 of 12 from the field, had 6 rebounds, 3 assists, 21 points, and just had a solid game. Pascal Siakam was a little bit invisible today. He only had 11 points, shot 1 of 4 from 3, 5 of 12 from the field. He was not looking good in the paint, unable to get any buckets down low, which is one of Toronto's big issues this year. They're like one of the worst teams in NBA history in converting at the rim. But... One thing he did do well was he was hitting that midi. You know, he was taking those mid-range jumpers, and when I was watching it, he was splashing them pretty good. You look good out there in that mid-range area, sort of just floating around, trying to get offensive rebounds. And inevitably, Toronto lost because they're missing some of that depth in OG and Anobi being out. And for some reason, Matt Thomas still isn't playing. No Malachi Flynn, no Bembry in this game. These are guys that could contribute i like to see Nick Nurse um, go deeper in the bench. I think this is an issue with him, as we know, is when he trusts you, he trusts you too much, and when he doesn't trust you, he doesn't give you enough rope. And whether or not it's a trust issue or more, just that he likes to play seven guys, that's just the way he likes to run his offense most games. Uh, We saw against the Pacers, he was going a little bit deeper in the bench. Maybe that was to show off a little bit to Nate Bjorkran, obviously the Raptors' ex-coach, who is... Taking on that role with the Pacers and has done a really, really good job there. I don't know, but yeah, Toronto falls a 7-11. Luckily, they've got an easier schedule coming up. They just played the Pacers in back-to-back games. 
the Bucks. So they've had some tough games that they've come up through. But then on Friday, they've got the Sacramento Kings, I believe. And then on Sunday, they've got the Orlando Magic in back-to-back games. So then they play them again Tuesday. And so those are three potential games you can win right there. And then Toronto's looking at, you know, some tougher games with the Nets and then the Hawks, which are an easier team. And then the Grizzlies as well. So Toronto could end up coming out of this stretch upcoming 500, right? They could end up being, you know, 12 and 12 or uh, something of that um, caliber, which would push them into the playoff picture. So I think as a Raptors fan, you've just got to continue to be patient with this team. They're going through the growing pains right now of finding that finalized rotation. Nick Nurse still hasn't figured that out yet. You can tell he's still playing around with certain players, certain matchups, you know, putting Watanabe at the four, putting him at the five even a little bit, throwing Stanley Johnson at the four. And the fact that you still have guys missing, you know, Lowry missed games, Siaka missed games, Van Vliet's actually been there most of the season, but OJ Anobi's now missing games. But when you're missing a lot of your key cogs on your team, it's hard to find that consistent rotation that you're going to play with this year, especially when a lot of the role guys have switched this year. Anyway, thank you guys for listening. I will get back to you. Maybe I'll have a second section of this podcast coming up, but first a quick break.